Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 3, season 3 of the Average to Elite podcast. As always, I'm your host Chris Lowe, and this week we are joined by a long-term client of mine called Mark Gower. So Mark is a Cat2 cyclist, he's a father of two, trains 15 to 20 hours per week, has a progressive career in the aviation sector. Um, so obviously he has a lot going on, and one of the questions I really wanted to answer this week was, how can Mark balance his racing schedule, his training, his nutrition program and preparation with his career and family commitments? Now, we all have the same amount of hours within the week and Mark just seems to be able to uh, really take advantage of every single hour that he has available uh, to make sure he has full commitment to every area that he wants to improve and progress. So you're going to take a huge amount of insight and inspiration on how to uh, maximize your week to get the best out of uh, your goals. So grab a pen and paper. This is an absolutely awesome episode and uh, let's get stuck into it. Mark, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me on. No, absolute uh, pleasure and a privilege having you on. We've obviously worked together for quite a long time now, so I know we're going to yeah get into a lot of good nutrition planning and programming uh, strategies today. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, no, it's awesome, mate. Um, I would say it's been great working with you and, and certainly learned a lot in that time and happy to share. Uh, I do feel slight imposter, uh, you know, looking at some of your previous guests, uh, no, <laughs> no real sort of uh, elite, I think, would be uh, pushing it slightly, but certainly passionate about what I do. <laughs> yeah, so so what um, I really want to get into today is in terms of how you are able to implement everything to an incredibly high standard, but still juggle life, work, and all that kind of stuff. So previous uh, two guests uh, being full-time professional athletes, that's basically what they do. And you pretty much have like a full-time professional athlete kind of schedule, but alongside very demanding work schedule as well. So um, yeah, it'd just be absolutely incredible to know how we kind of balance both of them and get the most out of both of them as well. Um, so I think like uh, I shared in that uh, group the other day, a quote by James Clear, it's like, you need to standardize before you can optimize. And I feel like we are really optimizing things now to the best uh, as we can. We're exploring different avenues on really just how to inch out everything. So uh, it'd be great to get into some of that detail and again, how we can do that detail whilst being able to do everything else. So no, it'd be absolutely cool. I'm really looking forward to it. So to kind of uh, set the scene so people get an understanding of who you are, um, and as I kind of introduced many other guests, like I know who you are, <laughs> but uh, uh, for the listeners who may not, who are you, Mark? Yep, so I'm Mark Gower. I'm a father of two children, um, which also adds um, extra requirements into the mix, as well as a, a full-time job. I work in aviation. I'm managing director of a ground handling company at Gatwick Airport. Um, I came into... Um, into sort of cycling and um, an endurance sport um, in 2008. Um, at the time, uh, was 19 stone, um, and obviously started uh, to work on that after a bit of a health scare. 
um, and originally was then just focused on running and I, I did London Marathon um, 2010 when my, my son was born um, and through that moved on to the next challenge and triathlon then became my passion um, and I worked through um, all the sort of disciplines in triathlon um, and then ended up representing Great Britain uh, age group triathletes in for both triathlon, duathlon and cross triathlon um, in sort of 2010 to 2013. Um, and then I did Ironman um, in Mallorca after that and then work and second child came along and, and really put sort of stresses on my ability to um train and and uh, devote all the time i could um to needed to to three disciplines um as well as you know things with my work life i was also then progressing through my sort of career and, and taking on more responsibility more hours less flexibility etc so cycling has always been my passion um, out of the three disciplines so I, I sort of fully focused on on that um, and have been doing so probably since the last yeah so seven eight years now um, fully just doing um, cycling or fatiguing cycling um, started off mainly doing uh, road racing um, and then most more recently have moved into doing um, cyclocross and um, now on the track as well at the velodrome. So that's um, that's me at the moment. I'm, I'm sort of rated as a cat two uh, cyclist um, and uh, yeah, enjoy it. Amazing. No, that, that's, a, that's a really cool uh, kind of development into the cycling world. So all kicked off with a um, bit of a health scare at 19 stone. So a question then. Obviously, success leaves a lot of clues. Mm -hmm. To get from 19 stone to where you are now, what did you do? A lot of hard work. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, again, it's, it, it's, it goes back to you know, what we were talking about in the later years. At the time, it was, it was just changes, right, and habits. Um, and 100%, you know, from going... You know, smoking 40 Marlboro Reds a day, and if we can promote cigarettes, but for you know, and 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 drinking in you know three four times a week, um, and you know just nothing sitting on the sitting on the sofa and think nothing of eating six packets of crisps, right? It's you know to getting changing that, you know, dropping ready meals, dropping that 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 side of things. I mean, you know, I was still drunk, and it took me a little while to give up the cigarettes because obviously that's an addiction, right? Um, but yeah, started with just working on um, movement, I think is probably the, the thing. And with that, then the sort of the better diet, the better health choices started. Um, and I think for me, then it was it was getting that goal and seeing that improvement. And, you know, there was a, a good group of guys I used to train with at the time that were, you know, were sort of pushing me on. And, you know, and I, I got started getting a coach and we started to see what you know potential there was. And, you know, I dedicated a, a lot of time to it. And that time um came from other the other the bad things right I didn't I didn't do less I didn't give up work and I didn't you know give up relationships or whatever at the time it was the the, the things that gave way to make way for the training were the bad things so it, it sort of equal equaled itself out um and then obviously yeah and I went through uh, that it was just a real gradual sort of process and uh, some of the scary thing is you know I, I 
I couldn't really document it to it to some degree now. I, I still potentially see myself as that person, um, as in, you know, I don't, you know, I've always been the bigger guy in, in triathlon. I've always been, you know, in, in cycling now, right? And you know, Chris is the first to comment on my tricep, bicep uh, <laughs> things compared to the rest of the peloton in, in pictures, right? So, yeah. We're, we're always big. agree, we're always like guaranteed like an aggressive bicep, tricep, ripping on that topic <laughs> uh, when you're racing. It's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, so it's probably not your your stereotypical um, cycling or endurance athlete build, but you know that that's so. I think I yeah I've come through that journey. It's taken a long time, uh, you know, hundred percent a long time. But uh, I think it just yeah for me is it's a lot around based around habits, and uh, I hadn't realised. I'd got as bad as I had. And in the same way, once I changed those habits, I probably didn't realize the transformation to where I am today um, because both were probably such a gradual process, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so when you say gradual, what's the approximate kind of time frame there to get down to roughly where you are now, that kind of bandwidth we're in? Yeah, so it, it would have been, so from literally it's been a, an onward journey from 2008, right, even to, you know, the, the last sort of five years from, you know, really taking cycling um, uh, seriously. Um, I'm probably 10, 10 kilograms lighter now than I was five, six years ago um, from sort of like really focusing on that. Um, but it, it hasn't been a concerted you know, real sort of push to do that. It's just something that's materialised more with my, alongside my ambition and goals in relation to something. It, it sort of happens rather than than being the focus um, of, of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So so to kind of expand on those ambitions and goals, obviously starting from 2008, huge transformation, both physically and mentally, really, um, going through various sports, running, triathlon, now solely on cycling, track and cyclocross. What is the uh, vision and mission going forward? Yeah, so obviously I'm, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> at 46 so you know i'm, I'm definitely um seeing the, the the road racing scene and things like that there, there's some uh some youngsters there that you know coming through and uh, and you know i won't be defeated and there's definitely some older guys than me that are better than me right so i'm not claiming that but um yeah no certainly my uh, aspirations uh, have changed i'm still there to um compete and you know ride for um, for my team, um, as well as, you know, bringing and helping, you know, others come through, some youngsters and, and things like that. Um, and ultimately, um, yeah, I think my focus now is more towards the track um, and, and cyclocross potentially, uh, mainly because there's more accessibility into age group racing. Um, so where I obviously competed last year and in the national um, track championships. Um, and well, again, that's one of my targets for 2022 to improve on where we were there. Because um, I've only really been doing track for just over two years. And a lot of that period was obviously in COVID as well. So there's no tracks available. So um, there is still pl plenty of room for, for learning and improvement on the track. But it's, it's certainly one of my key goals for 2022. 
um, and alongside that with, with cyclocross as well. Uh, something I just really enjoy and um, in the winter and it's uh, again there's, there's potential uh, like national trophy and national championships based on age group um, which you know enable motivates me racing against others to you know really push it and I don't have any excuses there right it's easy in road racing to make excuses that you know I'm 20 years older than everyone else so what do you expect but you know there's no excuses in in, in those disciplines um, not saying you know I don't I still race on the road right and you know but there is so many so different that um all transferable um from a training perspective and nutrition perspective and, and everything but you know there is some you do have to sort of narrow it down a little bit and my key focus this year will be um training for the track yeah brilliant so in terms of right now where we are right now what are we doing what are we focusing on in alignment right. with those two big goals yeah so chris as, as you know and again just assume everyone does but I'm not that famous but uh back in end of november i broke my shoulder or smashed up my ac joint so i had to have a couple of weeks off the bike <laughs> um and certainly only really been um riding out on the road again since christmas um so really we're still sort of in the recovery and rehab phase and rebuilding of that um training's going well numbers are going well uh, legs are working well shoulder mm, <laughs> we still got some work to do but we're getting there um, but ultimately again it's just that consistently changing your goals ambition and plan right and adapting it and I hope to be back racing in in around the sort of 15th of February back on the track um, and then road racing starts season starts in the beginning of March so uh, hope to be there so ultimately um the yeah we're sort of in the in the base phase at the moment anyway um so we're just building up that endurance with some you know some good four or five hour consecutive day riding but and then sort of more sort of sweet spot efforts and and stuff like that um at the moment just really sort of building up that aerobic capacity um to then start into a more of a build phase probably into into the next block um yeah to get ready ultimately for me the, the sort of road of the, the early races isn't you know i can't peak from march through till march <laughs> which would be my ideal goal um so i do very much like a, a periodized um sort of season and i work with my coach on that um, around you know where are the the key races because although I'll, I'll race all year round I can't necessarily peak all year round so we'll we'll look at that and where where we can ease it back and where we, we where we spike it up um, but ultimately like I said my main one of my main goals or one is the uh, track championships which are currently in September so really we'll be working back from that to ensure that we're in peak there I will also probably have a, a peak earlier in the year um, when the sort of the main key road races uh, are on things like the regionals and stuff like that sort of april may time and then we'll we'll probably just ease off um after that to then build it back up for the track nationals so so one of the things you mentioned there about adapting and pivoting the plan once you had the shoulder injury so based on that pivoting and adaptation what what did you uh do in, what would you do in terms of how to do uh, yeah, move into this new phase of training and eating to support the rehabilitation process. 
Yeah, so for me, this was key, right? And this is, and you know, I've said it to said it, so I'd say it to so many people, but you know, when I'm reading races, coaches, nutritionists, everything there to pat you on the back's great, and you know, we all hug it out. But to be fair, um, celebrate the success. But you know, this is where you guys are invaluable, right? When something like this happens, you know, the first thing I did was to reach out to every everybody that I, I use in the good times to support, you know, and get ideas and and, and how we can improve on the situation um, that we're in and come up with a new plan, right? And so ultimately, yeah, we, we increased some supplementation. Um, we looked at um, ensuring that you know adjusting the the calories and the uh, constitution of macros etc etc um to do that and from a training perspective yeah there was a period obviously where it just wasn't possible to do anything but walk so ultimately yeah, that's what i did i just focused on my <laughs> getting my 10 to fifteen thousand steps in a day in a sling and walking up Mount Snowden in a sling and things like that in, in December, probably not ideal training, but, uh, or, or risk with the risk, but it was, you know, definitely very much focused on what you can do, not what you can't. Um, and then from that, it was just really gradual, um, integration alongside obviously rehabbing the shoulder, getting back onto the indoor trainer, you know, training, turning the legs over, and then just then really gradually just building up the stuff on the road. At first, you know, 30 minutes was all I could do because then, you know, from pain in the shoulder and stuff. And now, like I said, we've we built it up into a manageable level now where duration, etc., isn't isn't necessarily a problem with the bike. Um, it's more. Uh, the problem I have is, is the strength in it to be able to, you know, be out of the saddle. And, you know, certainly we haven't attempted any full-on sprinting or anything like that yet out of the saddle um, because it isn't particularly happy about that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's adapting the plan. And, and ultimately, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, we were just focused on the right nutrition, um, the right macros, we nailed the, the, the supplements and we experimented and tried um, new things um, which were beneficial. We focused on the rehab and, and now, you know, we focused on the, the training and what we could do to adapt. And, you know, ultimately, I, I, it's difficult to measure what the difference would be to where I would have been if it hadn't happened because actually... The, the, the couple of weeks of full rest might have been beneficial to me <laughs> um but ultimately at the moment it doesn't feel that way as they're saying my shoulder's still not fully functioning to how i'd want it to be although my legs are in a reasonably good place well one of the key things that you said was just controlling the controllables focus on what you can do and what not what you can't do and i think that's just a huge thing and that's always like the mindset you have with pretty much everything which is absolutely great and I remember like when, when you messaged me uh, when I uh, had the accident at, at the track and it's like, right, let's jump on a call. Let's figure out exactly what we need to be doing. What's the best plan in place to support recovery and the different kind of uh, phases of that as well. As in like first kind of phase, not doing anything on the bike, then getting back on the bike with the just indoor trainer and then gradually increasing there. And then obviously now like just manip manipulating calories, the baseline, the percentage eat back we work through. Um, so yeah. So it's been really nice, really controlled. And I think we are in a very good position, what 100%. The shoulder's just going to be one of those things that takes a little bit of time. But uh, yeah, like you said, maybe a couple of weeks off the bike, did you uh, did your world a good? 
Yeah, no, definitely. I think it, yeah, these the, these things. But I think at the time, everyone that was telling said, if one more person said to me, "Oh, you'll come back stronger," I think I might have uh, <laughs> re rearranged some of their body parts. But no, it, it, you know, in hindsight, you know, I've just got to focus. You know, it could have been worse, right? Ultimately, it could have been worse. So um, it's it's now just focusing on um, on the future and obviously say now coming up with the with the plan of of, of how to, to to move that um to move it forward and uh, and like i say get as ready for racing as we can yes fantastic in terms of training at the moment uh also you mentioned kind of building at the moment how many hours a week uh on the bike in the saddle are you doing um, in addition to yeah your physio snc based stuff as well yeah, so at the moment I'm probably doing uh, probably around 20 hours a week, um, split sessions mainly, so training in the morning and in, then again in the evening. Um, and that's based on, um, yeah, one rest day with, again, longer rides at the weekend um, or long sessions at, at the weekend. Um, that does fluctuate. Uh, I tend to do three or four week blocks and then with, a, with an easier week in between. Um, and also you know, the, the weekends where I don't have the kids, the rides tend to be longer than the weekends that I do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's uh, probably uh, probably averages out uh, over the block or over the month, probably you know, 12 to 15 hours at the moment um, a week. So when we kind of get into these bigger kind of hours where there's 12, 15, 20 hours a week, um, obviously that's a big chunk of time in addition to normal kind of work and all that kind of commitments day. So how would you... How, how do you basically how do you basically do it because a lot of people perhaps say i don't have time which yeah. we love it <laughs> i don't yeah, have yeah. time to get my training <laughs> i don't have time to prep my meals i don't have time to learn about nutrition i don't have time to do the food job i don't have time so obviously we all have the same amount of time and you have managed to maximize it very very well so how do you typically approach your your week it, it's you know it drives people mad right by a plan <laughs> and, and that's the only way it works right it is you, you I, I plan things um uh, pretty pretty robustly should we say or pretty um sync so you know my, my my work day my training my nutrition everything you know on Sunday night, I know what I'm doing for the rest of the week. <laughs> you know, I can tell you what I'm eating for a snack on Friday afternoon, right? I can tell you when I'm going to eat that snack, most likely. <laughs> um, I can definitely, you know, my training's all scheduled in to meet around um, work commitments, family commitments, uh, etc. Um, and then, yeah, and worth thinking, it's ultimately, yeah, you there's a stuff in the middle uh, of the, you know, the work and things like that. And ultimately if my work's busy, then the training gets pushed out later and sleep suffers. Right. Um, but I also then try to maintain that sleep consistency because I know it's uh, important to recovery. And again, that's some of the things I've definitely worked on through lockdown and COVID is that, that increasing the sleep, but ultimately there is, you know, there is only infinite time in, in, in everyone's life right and uh, and i make not sacrifices i make choices and other things suffer so training is what makes me happy training and um you know and, and nutrition and i like to cook for myself and uh, and do things like that so ultimately there's other other things that people may choose to do that i don't do 
um, in that time. And, you know, ultimately, um, I can also multitask. <laughs> so some morning sessions on, on the turbo, I can quite easily catch up with backlog of emails and, and, and stuff like that as well. Um, but it's, um, yeah, no, it is, it's certainly around just being organised, having a plan and then executing the plan, right? There's no, oh, I'll do that. Oh, I won't do it. This can't get up and do it this morning. I'm tired, right? If I don't do that, that opportunity's gone, right? There isn't. I'm not going to be able to just slot that hour training back in again. Um, there just isn't the sort of flexibility to do that. And um, yeah, so I think that 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 comes with with challenges. But um, I think that that that's uh, yeah. It's just about prioritization uh, and like I say, having a plan. And then obviously we're executing, executing the plan and, you know, don't allow yourself excuses. Um, I think is probably the key thing because, um, yeah, it ultimately it should, everyone has a choice of what they, what they, what they do and what they prioritize. Yeah. So it's a key thing there, having a plan, being organized, implement the plan. And like you all say, do what you said you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people, I know I used to be one of them. I think I'm a bit better with this. I'd love the plan. Like I'd have so much satisfaction of uh, building like the most kind of in-depth Google calendar for the weekend is incredible. But then there's been little things that come in and, you know, I just don't implement to the standard I feel like I should. So do you ever have those kind of periods where something runs over and you have to adjust and pivot or are you pretty much very much bang, 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 everything is locked in as you kind of want it to be? Yeah, and that, that's probably one of my biggest failings, right? Everything is locked into where well, I don't cope well with change. <laughs> and, uh, you know, normally I can, um, yeah, my initial response will be, um, yeah, that, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> um, but ultimately then, generally with time and readjustment of my plan, I can find a way, but I would never go, I never screw up the plan and put it in the bin and say, okay, I'm going to do that, right? I, could, I will only do something if I can adjust my plan to make it work, right? Which is probably one of my biggest failings and probably one of my the frustrations for those people around me, should we say. <laughs> Um, so what is a, a very, very high strength of yours um, is also a little bit of a weakness at the same time. And I think like that's always going to happen. Uh, I know I'm definitely working through that at the moment, like very strict and probably overly rigid with my time. Uh, but don't give myself enough white space in the diet to allow things to run over. And but yeah, it's all a I know a learning process, isn't it? For sure. Um, so one of the big things that is actually key for you is having autonomy over your plan. So like I said, you plan all your training again, obviously you have a coach to do that. You map out all your nutrition at the start of the week, like you saturate your whole week of eating on my fitness pal. Um, everything is, yeah, done by you. Essentially you taking a huge amount of ownership and responsibility of other things. So how important is that for you as opposed to being told what to do on a daily basis? Oh, yeah. For me, I think it's definitely um, an interaction because I think, you know, okay, I haven't been doing it for years and years and decades, right? But I've been doing it long enough that I sort of know what works for me and what doesn't. And, um, you know, my coach and, and you also have always um, 
uh, commending me on my feedback, right? And I'm, ne I'm never, never shy of giving feedback comprehensively or, or otherwise. Oh, I had to told you to uh, give me less feedback. Yeah, less <laughs> feedback. Uh, <laughs> um, because you know, ultimately, that that's you know, that's how I work. Is I, I want feedback, right? Because I, I, for me, that's the the huge benefits of having you guys around me. Is how are you supposed to adapt and give me the best advice if you don't know what's going in? because I think you're know, going back to the the shoulder injury right if I'd have just called you up off the street and said oh I've done this Chris you know what I mean can you give me some nutrition advice right you wouldn't have had that period of six months or whatever it was working with me previously to understand how I operate how I'm how, you know where my mindset's at where my the focus you know that sort of stuff and that's where you wouldn't have that if you didn't have if I hadn't have given you the feedback if you'd have just been sending me out weekly meal plans and heard nothing from me other than oh this is my weight <laughs> you know this is and this is it right I think um yeah, for me, it's, you you build that picture, and I think that relationship between um, athlete, class myself, that athlete coach, athlete nutrition, you know, is, is vital. Otherwise, you know, you must just keep the money in your pocket um, to some degree. Um, the adaptation and constant adjustment of, of the plan, the sessions, um, and the stuff like that is key. Um, and I think you know, you're whereas I might not. Uh, from a training perspective, I'll probably be prescribed uh, the week and the block, but that's all after discussion and agreement about what we're going to achieve and the goals we want to make from that week. But ultimately, I'm not, I don't necessarily push back or, or resist because I know better, right? You've got, it's getting that balance. And, you know, we're, we're doing a trial at the moment and on, on, the nutrition side with the with the recover low and um you know initially it was like oh, that's not in my plan <laughs> um but we you know we adjusted and we adapted and you know and ultimately you know all you you gave me the high level oversight of what it was and we adapted it into the plan or whatever and I, I came back to you with my sort of suggestion and and we agreed it and I think that's the best way to do it um I think because uh, I think uh, if you had just prescribed it and just said, oh, you know, do it, I don't think I'd have got the full um, benefit or buy-in for it as well. So I think it just has to sometimes take that way. And if you're you're planning it yourself, you own it, right? And ultimately then there's less excuses for you not to do it because ultimately you've planned it rather than have a plan inflicted on you. Yes, absolutely. And a key word coming from that again is agreement. Like this kind of athlete-coach relationship, it is... It's, it's based on agreement, isn't it? It's always like a negotiation, really. <laughs> in this case of like, this theoretically works well from experience. I feel this will work well for me, for you. Uh, what do you think? What's your thoughts about it? What's your reflections? Do you think we can implement this? Is there any challenges or hesitations there? Let me know, then we can work around it to build it into your life. So last week was our kind of initial kind of, um, kind of trial of it, this kind of sleep low, train low uh, approach. And then this week we've gone into it a little bit more uh, full on kind of taking the learnings from last week, introducing this week, and then we'll see where see where it goes. So, but based on that, in terms of uh, your training week, what what does a, a typical training day look like for you in terms of your your eating? Um, yeah, so I generally even um, pre this trial, generally my easy session I would tend to do 
um, like fasted or minimal, not not fasted necessarily, but, but before breakfast. If, <laughs> let's just say, can't really call it fasted when I was still eating cereal at like eleven o'clock at night. But the um, yeah, so for me, we get up the easy session first thing in the morning. You know, morning rituals, get through it straight on the bike, get the first session done, sets you up for the day, um, and then yeah, get on through the through the day, have breakfast um, after that. Um, which would generally be a little bit later on, obviously, in the day. Um, and then into, into lunch, then start to fuel up for the afternoon session. Um, again, quite carb, uh, carbohydrate-rich sort of fueling. Um, and then um, obviously train again, uh, more, normally one more uh, sort of intense or harder session for the day on split days. Um, and then straight into the uh, recovery um, another decent meal um, or big carbohydrate meal and then um, yeah more a top up before bed um, generally cereal uh, is it was sort of like my go-to or go-to um, but yeah depending on the obviously on the intensity and what percentage free eat that we're on at the time really determines um, what that will be um, I do sort of focus on macros a little bit but as a as a general rule I, I sort of know now I don't really overly stress about it as much um the macro breakdown I just really sort of focus focus on um uh, I know how many sort of how much carbs I need or what to be the carb focus and you know what standard sort of portion of the rest of the stuff looks like um to be able to to plan and work in that way yeah absolutely so just to elaborate on that in terms of how we're working we basically have a baseline so this could be our rest day calorie intake so minimal kind of movements minimal kind of exercise and then based off the parameter data we get from each session we do a percentage back whether it's 100 percent, 75 percent, 50 percent based on our body composition goal phase of the year whether in like um kind of like this off season where we're perhaps working a bit more on body composition but it's actually in season where we're really pushing performance and recovery so just uh working through that at the moment uh coming off the back of injuries so we were in like 100 back sort of like higher calories to support the healing process and now we're bringing it back down to you know down to that sort of 50 percent back just to create that energy deficit to chip away our body fat and make sure we're in a very good position going into the season ahead so in terms of like your daily structure then it your where your kind of food focus lies and it's quite nicely periodized with your training so easy kind of ride in the morning uh sort of low carbohydrate low energy variability more of a performance-based session in the afternoon slash evening your sweet spot stuff uh that's when we put in a lot of carbohydrates to really support uh performance and recovery outcomes there but that's perhaps what we're not doing quite at the moment with this kind of train low sleep low uh approach which we're now pushing up to kind of three days a week uh which is pretty cool but this isn't typically look the same when you go into the weekend on your bigger and your longer kind of rides so how do you if you've got say five hours on the bike uh how does your day typically look then yeah so same thing again uh, to some degree right so it's it's around yeah it's an in interesting thing because the i generally get up with notes though that's sort of standard morning routines i actually now I've changed, uh, more recently changed to um, having a, a lighter breakfast before going out um, because, you know, I was having, you know, big bowls of porridge and, and stuff like that to, you know, to sort of fuel the work as such. But 
what I found is then it was like on the, trying to fuel on the bike became hard for that first hour and a half. And then, you know, you're out of the routine. It just, yeah, everything I was, you were still seeing sort of the, the spike energy spikes out on the bike from doing that. So generally now I'll just I'll get up, have a couple of, um, uh, a couple of bagels with uh, marmalade or just something really sort of light and simple and then straight out the door onto the bike. And then, yeah, we're hitting what 60, 60, between 60 and 80 grams per hour on the bike, sort of feeding every sort of 30 minute intervals and consistent um, uh, sort of carbohydrate drink in the bottles. And that, that for me, whether it's three hours or seven hours, just a continuous, nothing changes. You just, just eat Rice Krispie squares every 30 minutes or, uh, <laughs> or the like. And it's great. It, nothing passes, uh, passes endurance rides more than, uh, than you're looking forward to your next Rice Krispie square in, in 28 minutes because <laughs> you've, uh, you've already just devoured one. Um, but yeah, other than, um, yeah. And I think for me, that's one of the being definitely one of the biggest changes I've made, um, since working uh, with you, Chris, is that, that fueling the work on the bike. I think before it was very much preload and post recovery and, you know, the bit in between wasn't, you know, you know, it's scary when I think, you know, I'd be out with a liter of, uh, <laughs> probably weak energy drink and a, and a gel in my back pocket for emergencies for a four or five hour ride and wonder why I'd come back and be hangry and, you know, be irritable for the rest of the day and, you know, and, and then end up, you know, binging in the evening and eating pots of peanut butter by the spoon. Right. And, you know, that's certainly where we're in a better place now. Um, so yeah, so after that, so fueling pretty consistently, um, 60 to 80 grams per hour, come home, smashing down the zoos <laughs> after that one. And, uh, and then shortly after that, again, just a decent home cooked, you know, meal or such, whether it's, you know, eating chicken wraps or, or, or something there to get the uh, more carbs and protein in. Um, and then it's like not restricting for the rest of the day but keeping also not blowing out and and understanding and that for me is you know, especially at the moment like i say we we're, we're looking at that uh, body composition goal so 50 percent eat back is um you know takes a bit more focus than you know if i'm doing those rides in four months time right when we're back up to 80 100 percent there you know six thousand calorie days are great right you can <laughs> You don't need to, you, you know, you, you're not thinking too much, oh, should I have that? But at the moment I do, there is definitely a type thing where you think, okay, well, you know, you, it's again having uh, having the plan and, and knowing that, um, yeah, what you're eating, because I think otherwise, and it goes back to having that plan, so even at weekends where there's nothing, you know, no, it's the structure and everything's a bit lighter and a bit thingy, the, the food plan's still there, right? Because I think if I came back and didn't have a plan from riding, you know, before I would have devoured the whole rest of my day's calories probably in the first two hours and then be moaning all night. So I think it's good to, it's to have that structure and plan and an idea of, of, or control over it, um, I think is good um, for me. And yeah, okay, tracking doesn't work for everyone, but it, tracking does work for me. I don't find it too onerous, to be fair. Um, I think, again, probably because I don't do it instantaneously, I do it plan out and then tweak 
yeah. um, makes it probably slightly um, less onerous <laughs> on me to do. It's just uh, you know, a couple of changes a day rather than uh, you know trying to scan everything in as you're eating it or cooking it. Um, so I think that 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 for me is the key. And then obviously generally those rides are sort of back to back. So again, it's just focusing on um, making sure that you've got decent amounts um, back in, even at, at just 50% eat back, just decent amount of carbs in for the next day. And then uh, repeat. Yeah, yeah, some key things. So ultimately just being proactive instead of reactive with like the, the planning side of things, knowing exactly way on for breakfast, how you feel in the ride and having that plan of action uh, opposed to avoid any kind of uh, deviation and, uh, you know, a couple of tubs of uh, peanut butter down there. Um, and so even with like a 50% eat back on these big days, you're still having 4,000 calories. So it's still a decent amount of food. And I think a little bit of misconception, especially with cyclists is that, right, I'm on a long and low intensity kind of ride i'm going to keep calories really low not put any carbohydrates in um just a really small fat loss or fat burning or something like that where ultimately they dig themselves into such a big hole at the end of the ride where the food focus is through the roof and if they have no structured plan after that they end up putting in you know probably twice as much as they exactly saved by going on the ride so it's much better being proactive let's put some fuel let's put some carbohydrate in there to support performance and well-being and energy levels and all that good stuff, but also to almost like fuel the back end of the day. So you're in a better position mentally and physically for the rest. Yeah. So that, that's absolutely kind of key there for sure. And I think that also has a knock-on effect to the next day because, you know, ultimately, you know, I've had problems with that because I was, what I would do is I'll do that at the weekend and then I would binge out in the evenings and, you know, not be in control of my nutrition before. And then Monday morning would come, it'd be like a, a rest day or easy day. And I would restrict, right? I would restrict because I think, she, you know, I've, I've eaten way too much over the weekend. You know, yes, I was doing long rides, but, you know, the, the mental game there, right, comes into play without that plan, without that that idea. And then, you know, for the next two days, I'd be eating nothing, right, or I'd be restricting dealing with food focus and, you know, all the pressures of that. On, and, and it'll probably have, you know, a huge effect on degradation of that recovery day and, you know, even and into that sort of one of the key sessions, you know, the Tuesday key session, really, um of the week from intensity perspective you know also would have gone into it massively under fuel um and then the cycle would repeat because i'll do another the hard session on the tuesday night and then food focus would be massive and you know it'd end up so as a hard session so i can justify eating more but without the control and knowing it's probably the right thing to do right because i would have probably been for the day i would have been in a huge calorie deficit but the problem was and for the mental aspect the next day was oh you know i've bloody done it again i've gone binge i've eaten a pot of peanut butter so that's it i'm not going to eat until lunchtime and then i'm only going to have salad and then i'm going to try and do another intense training session on that and you know it just repeat that that was the repeatable process where now you know the repeatable process is no periodized car you know periodized eating throughout the day throughout the week and you know it's just become habit and nature for me now to some degree that it's yeah even though i have a plan the plan is more around making me making sure i've got what i need 
here in the house to eat ready and um and that so there's no sort of deviation um rather than not being not knowing what to do so i think i'm you know i know what to do i know what to plan um in from the lessons i've learned um i think the reason why i have the plan is just to have that sort of structure um and then to ensure that we we've got the right things available yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of cyclists will definitely resonate with that uh, approach of restricting overeating and planned overeating. And then that kind of negative kind of cycle all the time and almost feel like they're up against it, battling food focus throughout and never really making any kind of headways. Where now we're kind of focused on that feeling equals recovery equals fueling equals recovery kind of paradigm and everything's going in a nice direction, even in a relatively decent uh, energy deficit like we're in now. So, but like I said, when we push back up uh, into kind of more of a performance phase and we're pushing carbohydrates up again during the rides, um, you know, last you know last year we we're kind of pushing 120 grams in some rides with absolutely no bother at all. So, you know, I think a lot of cyclists will have this hesitation of putting too much carbohydrate, too much sugar in during their rides. I feel of like getting fat and stuff like that. And here you are pushing in 120 grams per hour, like not bother, um, which is absolutely great to see. And kind of ironically, they don't want to put in sugar during their ride because of fear of gaining fat, which is not going to happen. But then they put in 5,000 calories at night, which, you know, um, yeah, that's somewhat ironic. So no, that, that, that's great. That's really awesome to know. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so in terms of uh, transition into competitions itself, obviously you got cyclocross and track, but if we kind of put them kind of, or just cycling events in general together, what are your general kind of principles and approaches that you, you take for that? Yes, I think obviously cycling is um, slightly different from match day and things like that. The main variance is these these races can be nine o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock at night. They can be three and a half hours to, I think, obviously the, the shortest you know, sprint can be 90 seconds, right? So <laughs> we have, uh, and that's something, you know, we've really worked on. Um, together right is we we've got a plan for every uh <laughs> every sort of anomaly and, and things like that so again it is really just focusing on firstly the lead into it right is going into it um so from the day before you know depending on the duration or intensity or likely burn of the race you know we're doing a carbohydrate load in the days leading up to it um and then you know very much on the day we have a strategy of of you know eating through you know to ensure that we're we're fully topped up going into the race um so if that's a if that's a morning race it's likely just to be sort of your breakfast three hours before um and then so like i say top up an hour before um it's you know, Chris knows again that not everyone, but I've got quite a good constitution. I can I can eat a lot of food and, and ride a bike. It's not I don't really suffer too much with um, fortunately suffer too much with any sort of gas gastro issues or gut issues. I think I could I could eat burritos at the beginning of a race. I think, but we can um, yeah. So we build that through, and then ultimately that that strategy just continues the later the races get on in the day. We just move the um yeah moves the target to ensure that we we would follow a normal day um with the sort of periodization through the day of ensuring that you know we're getting a good carb meal in sort of three hours before with it with it with that sort of top up um and then yeah it's in the recovery and i think i think again it's it's 
taken me a bit of adaptation and getting used to, but ultimately we're sort of fueling the same for a three and a half hour road race as we are a 20 minute track race, right? It's just the difference is what you take on during the event um, is the difference. So we're, we're still going into each event fully loaded. Um, and the main difference is, like I say, what you actually take on during um, and that, that allows then for the sort of calorie differential between the two as well so it doesn't it sort of equals itself out which is um, really good absolutely key point there so it's like a we have a system locked in for every single race um doesn't matter the kind of discipline the duration the intensity the time there's always a system leading up to it to ensure we are fully loaded and that doesn't really change the only thing we are changing then is the carbohydrate and fluid provision whilst on the bike itself based on the duration and the logistics side of things like you're not putting a, a, a bit of jelly or something like that on a track race you know um so that that, that is absolutely brilliant it's like the the kind of key principle there is just making sure you are fully loaded going into a race regardless of the demand the intensity the duration uh because what we do then is change the the, the provision of carbohydrates based on those uh kind of key kind of areas there and then in terms of after a race what are your kind of go-to kind of approaches? Is it quite similar to, uh, say, after on a general weekend when you've done a big kind of five-hour ride? Is it kind of similar principles there or do you do anything differently? Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's, it's you know, you, why, if it's not good enough for, tro uh, for training or it's not good enough for racing, it's not good enough for training, right? So I think for me, it's equal, both are equally as important. So yeah, I, I treat it the same. Um, for me, it's it's getting that recovery in, uh, whether that's you know milkshake or yazoo or you know stuff like that, and and then following that with a with a decent meal um, and and refill afterwards, um, and then I say the, the the variable bit. We look back at what the expenditure was, and that depends that that determines how many frosties I get, right? And, and that's probably the, the the variable of the day. The harder I work, the bigger bowl of frosties, or the, the extra the, the amount number of Weetabix I get in the, for my evening uh, carb reload. What's the PB? Twelve was it? 12, 12 Weetabix. Yeah, it was it was a tough race. <laughs> <laughs> So all about that, again, it comes down to the planning aspect of it. Like you would have known from previous kind of data from parameter what your expenditure is going to be. So you're kind of plotting everything in there and have this kind of um, this pillar kind of plan. Uh, and then all you're doing is fine tuning based on what the actual data is there, just fine tuning on the back end. So, yeah, that is absolutely awesome. And most likely we'll fine tune via Frosties and uh, Weavix, the, the, uh, the cereal recovery meal, which is yeah absolutely fantastic in terms of um supplementation then everyone loves this topic uh is there any ones you look for in terms of yes rehab yes health training week performance uh race day specific ones i know there's a quite a few we've kind of looked at and added on to get those extra little bits uh actually one or two percenters but is anything that you find that's worked really to a great extent for you like what is your typical kind of uh, routine there yeah, so obviously on a sort of a daily basis, I, I um, we, we do creatine, beta aniline, and like a, a greens powder on a daily basis. And then during the winter, we obviously add in probiotic and um, uh, vitamin D uh, that we've added in. Um, I take uh, omega 
um, capsules as well, mainly because I don't eat fish. <laughs> so uh, that supplements that. So that's, that's sort of like the, the daily standard of sort of supplements I take. And it sounds like a lot, but it used to be a lot more of unnecessary stuff as well. So, it, you know, I'm a marketer's dream when it comes to things like that. But I think, uh, yeah, we've got the, the sort of the, the basics that we, that we look at from a day to day. And to be honest, it, we come race day, really, the only difference to that would be we add citrate um, to act as a bit of a, a sort of a buffering agent on that, which, again, I handle relatively well. I know some people don't. Um, so that's fine. And also, well, I would say caffeine, but I think that uh, I'm pretty caffeinated most of the time anyway. Um, so we probably have a, an enhanced caffeine uh, thing on race day. But uh, other than that, there isn't um, a huge, I don't really take any any other sort of major supplementation. Yeah, so it's cool. We have like our daily kind of standard uh, and then we have the additional kind of race day specific ones. And yeah, oh, um, nitrates as well. We do do nitrates for race day. That's the, only, that's the other one. Yeah, yeah, uh, 100%. So it's been a while is... since I've raced, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's kind of the sports nutrition toolbox. Let's just throw in it. Lucky for you, um, you, know, you have a very robust gastrointestinal tract. Uh, you seem to be able to tolerate quite a lot of stuff, which is great. So, yeah, that, that is that is absolutely brilliant. So just kind of um, perhaps reflecting back to, say, 2008 or even like pre-2008 like what are the main differences that you do now versus perhaps you know a few years ago versus pre-2008 what were what the the main things that are different in your life now to, to to facilitate this level of implementation yeah no for sure so i think you know going way back of the obvious right from going back to 2000 pre-2008 um is you know living off processed foods living off you know alcohol you know and uh, sort of uh, those sort of things from a convenience perspective rather than anything else um and i think from that i then changed very much to um whole foods um reduced drinking a little bit um and that sort of being more conscious of what i ate but not um yeah and then recently, and obviously since working with you and, and the fact that you're know, driving that performance forward is actually really making it specific to what I'm doing, right? And that, that for me is by far the, the, the best um, sort of main benefit is this periodized fueling, eating, um, training to get that, that sort of an understanding. Because even, you know, in the last few years where I haven't been working with you and training this level, stuff it was very much you know I would eat a consistent level or try to aim for a consistent level of calories regardless of if I was riding six hours or one hour right I would still aim right I'm going to aim first and say 3,000 calories blah 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 and then without tracking that would still aim for that sort of like with what I knew and then that's when that whole um, sort of binge cycle as we said would come in because it wouldn't be enough and then it'd be too much and you know what I mean and it's it was you know weight wasn't a huge issue fluctuating or whatever it wasn't as light as I wanted to be but I think because I'm, I'm probably got unrealistic idea <laughs> where that would where I should be anyway we've learned that certainly that it's not all about the scales um, but there was certainly um, performance-wise, I would quite regularly put myself in a hole and not be 
actually performing to um, to my full ability because ultimately I wasn't putting any fuel in the car, right? Um, where that's so for me, that's certainly one of the biggest things that we've seen now. You know, I still eat whole foods as priority. I eat very little processed food. I don't drink other than very, very occasionally. Um, which again, that's it, it, a choice of mine. It's not necessarily a sacrifice. It, it you know, from being 19 stone and you know ulcers and heartburn and stuff, drink doesn't necessarily agree with me. So I mean, it's quite something quite easily to give up. So I'm not trying to you know be a martyr here and say, oh, you know, I don't drink. It, it, it's e one of the easier things for me to give up because it doesn't agree with me. Um, I think if you'd say I need to give up. Um, chocolate or peanut butter i think i probably would have had a <laughs> have different uh different things or, or rice crispy squares now but um so i think for me it's that um so but other than other than alcohol i don't really restrict on anything and i'm you know getting the you know all cyclists love a cake right and i'm i'm certainly partial to cake um so uh i think for me it's getting that 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 balance and understanding that you know you can build, build cake and nandos and a curry night into your plan um, and it doesn't mean that you've blown the whole week so again you're planning that in so it's not like unplanned eating is not unplanned overeating um it's like right we're having xyz we're gonna have it on these kind of nights and it's all kind of locked in and if something does happen kind of on the one-off then yeah you just adapt the plan of action you have to be a little bit reactive, but you fine-tune then. So it's still part of that plan. And I love a key word you kind of say there or phrase, like it, the choices, not sacrifices. Um, I think that's that's really, really cool, um, especially when you get like these higher levels of performance. Uh, and yeah, that, that is cool. And going back to say like you know, a decade ago type thing, you know, you didn't go from zero to 100%. You just started slowly by changing your daily actions, behaviors, and habits. And then over time, you kind of solidified that, standardized it, and then you're looking how to optimize it. So again, standardize before you can optimize. So you kind of gone through that. Definitely saw good lessons in the process of this kind of like that um, starve kind of binge kind of cycle. But sometimes, I don't say it's a blessing in disguise, but sometimes you do have that and you kind of realize that you can't do that and therefore you search out for higher level of help and to help you work through that. So, yeah, it's been a nice kind of journey through the, the entire kind of uh, decade or so. Yeah, and I agree. But I think also, um, again, talking you know, to, to other cyclists, really, you don't realize you're in that hole until you're not so i think it's you know it is difficult um to say because people some people might not be able to relate with this they're listening to it because they say oh yeah you know that's just being dramatic or whatever this is cyclist this is what we do you know we, we put ourselves in these holes it's hard work and things like that and, you know and i had that mindset that that's what it was right and until i experienced something different I never would have done it. So it's taking that leap of faith, right, of trying something different to then see the benefits because I didn't necessarily notice the degradation of my performance 
at the time because I was just blaming other things. I just blame I'm not fit enough. I just blame that I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm too old. I just blame, you know, every, you know, the excuses were there, but actually probably one of the main reasons was looking these bang in the face that, you know, I, I'd just done a three and a half hour road ride, drunken 200 drunk 250 mils of uh, energy drink bottle and, and that was it I wonder why I was uh, you know getting dropped on the last lap you know it's ultimately it's mental compared to to where I am now and you know at that period of racing you know for me it's almost like I want to keep you a secret because <laughs> all the time I, you know I've noticed it, it, it since we have been doing this you know others that don't know uh, I, I see me um, sort of last sort of two years ago, right? And, and then they're fading, and I'm feeling stronger than I was at the beginning, right? So, yeah. yeah, you don't know what you don't know. No, it, um, yeah, exactly that. And I think it's it it does it's it's such a, it's almost a cultural thing as well with cycling. It, it, it's it's dangerous. It really uh, there really is danger, and I think it was um, you know trying to try not to be preachy and you know tugboat people in into into things but um you know really I, I didn't see it until I tried it and you know that came from I only became because of other people you'd work with that I know well as well um and seeing the benefits and the the, the feedback from them otherwise you know if it was just me I wouldn't I would have not I just thought it's, it's another fad right it's another it's another um thing that you know people just want to nah, that's not going to work for me um I'm just going to get put on weight but I think ultimately it's um yeah we we, we tried it proved the concept and for me there's no looking back right this is this is the way forward and yeah there's I've resisted all the other fads of you know keto, paleo, and and everything else like this. And uh, and this, I say, I'm not saying this is a fad, but uh, this is a significant change um, for me. And um, yeah, and I think it, it's definitely one that I'm I'm sticking with, and you know will certainly share the benefits to anyone um, of asking them how 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 they would likely improve their performance. Um, would certainly be to uh, increase your in, increase your carbohydrates, right? And, and just get that balance um, right because, geez, it makes a big difference. It absolutely does. No, that, that's fantastic. Um, so, to kind of kind of conclude uh, today, uh, final kind of question uh, for any kind of athlete, whether they are a cyclist, a team sport athlete, combat sport athlete, what is like the kind of key? bit of advice or principles you'd like to share with them to take their performance to the next level like what what would you perhaps tell yourself 10 years ago yeah and, and I think for me is it, that it's very much I've always sort of had a plan or I've always um, had the luxury or, or, or of being coached so I think it's for me it's just explore every avenue um for those um, improvements and, and don't necessarily discount things first thing because it's not what's perceived as best and I think everyone's different um, and it goes back to you know my sort of thoughts around thing is you know you can't doing the same thing isn't going to just you know and you not get the results isn't going to suddenly get you the results <laughs> right 
you need to change something to change something. And I think that's the key thing. If you're not happy with your performance, there's no point in continuing on what you're doing because ultimately your performance will not improve. So whether you then choose to change up your training or whether you choose to look at nutrition or whether you choose to do something, you need to do something because if you just carry on, <laughs> all you're doing is carrying on, banging your head, nothing will change. Um, so I think that's sort of like my key key thing really is you know to look out uh, look at look at other options um or if you're frustrated with your with your training um but ultimately again i think you know working with people you trust people you respect and have that um, two-way um communication and the ability to adapt to a plan for me is priceless um and i think really valuable um and i'm very fortunate and really appreciative of, of the people I work with, and uh, I very much it sounds very egotistical, but I see it as a as a team right around me, and I, I, I definitely see it. I'm, I'm fortunate to have have those guys um, as my support team, um, both mentally and physically at times. Um, but 100, if you can build a team um, around you, then and see it as that, and appreciate that, I think you won't go far wrong. Amazing. What a way to finish uh, today's show. I think uh, there's been a huge amount shared here and a lot of like absolutely key insights on how you approach your sort of your life, your training and how you get the really nice balance between the two. And yeah, I just want to thank you um, for, for sharing all that and for being an absolutely awesome uh, client and someone to work with. And yeah, you've been absolutely awesome. And like I said, that has been an absolute pr uh, pleasure and a privilege. So yeah, Mark, absolutely awesome. Thank you very much. No, thank you, Chris. And again, like I said, thank you for your continued support. Um, really appreciate it, especially, like I say, in the last couple of months what we've been going through, the shoulder thing, I think, certainly 12 months, two years ago, I wouldn't have coped, coped with it in the same way um, as I am now. So uh, definitely uh, really appreciate that. And, and thanks and looking forward to continuing to work with you um and we're gonna smash 2022 right absolutely mate absolutely awesome mark thank you very much yes. Thanks, um, appreciate it